Hello everyone, happy Memorial Weekend. Yeah, okay, a few of us are excited and thankful. Moving on. <laughs> All right, if you're new, my name's Obed and I'm, and I'm one of the leaders here. Um, thank you for dedicating this part of your weekend to gathering with us. Um, as a church, we are confident that your decision to gather with us will be transformative indeed. And the reason why is, it's nothing to do with us. It's all because we seek in our gatherings to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we are confident he will work in ways that will transform you. This Sunday, we have reached the final week of our study on the book of Jonah. I know if you're new, um, I'm sorry you've missed out, um, but fear not, you can go on our website and all of our messages from Jonah are on our website, shameless plug. Final week of our study on the book of Jonah, and I know many of you would agree with me when I say that our study in Jonah has truly been eye-opening and transformative. This study has not only provided us with a different perspective on Jonah, but also that we, want, we desperately needed. When we embarked on this study... Many of us possessed a familiar understanding of Jonah. For many of us, Jonah was this fascinating story about this guy who didn't do what God told him to do, tried to do the opposite, and as he tried to do that, he got caught up in a storm, he got, through in the, he, some, um, he got thrown in the ocean, and a great big massive fish came along, swallowed him up inside the belly of the fish. He prays, um, learns his lesson, surrenders to God's will, and ends up doing what God tells him to do. And so for many of us, that was pretty much the extent of our knowledge when it came to the story of Jonah. But over the course of seven weeks, our deep dive, no pun intended, into Jonah has helped us understand the story in a profound new way. Our study has given us a greater understanding of ourselves, but most importantly, a greater understanding of the God we love and serve. The story of Jonah carries profound lessons that we can all relate to. First, I would say that it serves as a reminder of our natural tendency to resist God's will, and it highlights the importance of surrendering to God even when it's if, even if it's uncomfortable and challenging. That was so true, isn't it? God will ask of us 
things that we deem to be challenging and uncomfortable. And our natural tendency, and I'm including myself in this, is at times to resist what God wants us to do. And so Jonah helped us see that. Second, through Jonah's journey, we witness God's relentless pursuit of sinners and his deep desire to save the lost. This characteristic of the God we love and serve was a wake-up call for all of us because, listen to this, it forced all of us to confront the difficulty we face in forgiving our enemies. And in light of this whole concept of forgiving our enemies, we found ourselves grappling with questions like this one. And one of the, one of the questions we grappled with was whether um, we've ever felt angry or frustrated with God's mercy towards someone we feel don't deserve God's mercy. The fact that evil people sometimes go unpunished really gave us pause to reckon with our own understanding of God's mercy and justice. It's a tough reality to grapple with, and it made us dig deeper into our beliefs and try to make sense of this challenging reality of God's mercy and justice. How do they correlate with each other? When, when, when is God merciful and when does God exact his punishment and his judgment? How does all of that work? Jonah um, caused us to grapple and wrestle with these realities. This study of Jonah not only helped us recognize our own feelings of distance from God because sometimes we feel separated from God, but it encouraged us with the realization that God often works in our most challenging moments. God meets us intimately and rescues us powerfully even in our worst case scenarios. We also explored the connection between Jonah and Jesus Christ. We recognize that Jonah was this foreshadowing of Christ. And as we did that, we realized that Jesus is like an upgraded version or even better, infinitely better version of Jonah. Jesus did everything better first. Um, both Jonah and Jesus received a mission from God to preach. However, Jesus wholeheartedly obeyed his father while Jonah initially resisted and only obeyed after a time in the belly of a fish. Another similarity um, between Jonah and Jesus is that both Jonah and Jesus descended to Sheol for three days, Jonah's experience was uncomfortable, right? While Jesus willingly embraced death out of love for humanity and powerfully rose from the dead. While both 
Jesus and Jonah preached messages of repentance. Jonah's preaching was just minimal and powerless to save. Jesus, on the other hand, faithfully preached for years, forgave sins, and had the power to truly save. Both Jonah and Jesus witnessed sinners repenting and turning to God for forgiveness. However, Jonah harbored hatred and resisted God's mercy towards the Ninevites while Jesus rejoiced when sinners repented and believed. Lastly, when faced with the discomfort and prospects of their enemies receiving God's mercy, Jonah selfishly desired death, whereas Jesus obediently endured torture and death to save sinners from hell's torment. By comparing Jonah and Jesus, we see how Jesus excels in every aspect. He willingly obeyed, triumphed um, over death, forgave sins, and demonstrated love even for sinners and his enemies. Whatever Jonah accomplished in this story, Jesus accomplished more. Whatever motives and attitudes Jonah had, Jesus's were better. Jesus is truly better. Not just the story of Jonah, but the whole of the Bible points to how great and awesome and unbelievable and spectacular and better Jesus is. He just is. Amen to that. The story of Jonah is truly intriguing in so many ways. But one of the ways is that it echoes many of the truths found in the New Testament. The messages and themes in Jonah align with what we see in the teachings of the New Testament. For example, many people have drawn connections between the story of Jonah and the prodigal son that Jesus told. In Jonah's case, His rebellion mirrors that of the prodigal son who ran away from his father. Jonah found himself humbled in the belly of a fish just as the prodigal son hit rock bottom in where? The pig pen. But here's the twist. Jonah later embodies the character of the older brother who obeys his father but criticizes um, him for showing grace to repentant sinners. Now, we we don't know (laughs) for sure if Jesus was directly inspired by the book of Jonah. I mean, he kind of wrote it. Um, I know. I just read what I wrote, and I was like, "Eh." (laughs) of course, he was, but he inspired the story. Oh, gosh, yeah. Anyway, but what we do know is that Jonah's story, though ancient and a little bit outlandish, holds true. It reveals our rebellious nature and showcases God's surprising mercy. So, when we consider the story of Jonah, what it does is it prompts us to reflect on ourselves. And that's what Jonah did, especially if you're in community group. And you were able to gather with members of our local church, local family of church, 
to like just reflect on Jonah. You found that Jonah um, just inspired you to reflect on who you are in relation to God and everything like that. And as you did that, um, as Jonah compelled you to examine your heart, um, it led you to realize that God, um, the God of the Bible, the God we love and serve, is truly, as Jonah described, a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah is a true story that resonates with all of us, reminding us that even in our rebellion, even in our rebellion, God can use our circumstances for his good and great purposes. So this morning... For the remainder of our time, you guys have heard enough from me. I would, we're going to be hearing from members of our church, and they're going to be sharing their reflections on Jonah. As a church, whenever we start a series in any book, what we do at the very beginning is that we read the entire book, okay? We read the whole of Jonah. Jonah, sure, but in the past when we've done Hebrews, when we've done the Gospel of Mark, we spend a Sunday reading the entire book, and so we do that. Ideally, whenever we conclude a book, we have members of our church come and share their reflections. And the reason we do this is, there's so many reasons, but um, one of the key reasons is that it just helps us all get different perspectives and um, helps us see how God has been using our time and our study um, to impact us all. And so you could say that these individuals could represent um, the diversity, um, uh, the diversity when it comes to how God has been or has been using the book of Jonah. And so that's what we're going to get to do this morning. We're going to get to hear from four people. They're going to share their reflections. And I hope that as they do, um, God would speak. He is speaking, but that he would give you ears to hear and a heart that is willing to obey all that he's saying to you. So without further ado, let's start with our very own Megan David. Good morning. Okay, when I was asked to share on Jonah, it, um, it sent me into this kind of tailspin because this past year has been really difficult for me in a lot of different areas of my life. And when things are difficult, I tend to overthink. And so it sent me into this tailspin of overthinking like, wait, do I connect to Jonah in this way? Or is this Jonah? Or is this Jonah? Or is this Jonah? Like, God, what am I supposed to say? Like, I don't know. Like, I could connect here. I could connect here. And then originally I was going to try and talk about like four different ways I connected to Jonah. And then I was like, in five minutes, I can't do that. So I'm praying that the Lord is with me and that he's speaking through me. But I think that that's honestly the biggest thing that stuck out to me from Jonah is that God is with me. Um, I was thinking about with Jonah. So first we meet Jonah and he blatantly disobeys God and runs from him, like tries to get away from God, tries to avoid him in every way he knows how. And God is still with Jonah. Then Jonah goes into the belly of the fish 
and God is still with Jonah. Then Jonah obeys God, and he goes to Nineveh, and he tells the Ninevites what God said, and God is still with Jonah. And then Jonah complains to God, and he's wallowing, and he's frustrated, and he's upset, and God is still with Jonah. And I was thinking about when I'm sinning or when I don't understand what God's doing, I feel like God's not with me, and I feel like he's distant from me. Um, And I just appreciate that in four chapters of Jonah, God is so clear that he never, ever, ever leaves us. Um, And the whole Bible shows that, not just Jonah, but Jonah is like a nice, distinct way of seeing like God never, ever, ever will leave me. Even when I think I'm leaving God, um, I don't know if you know the hymn, he will hold me fast, but I love that, that phrase. The Bible uses it to hold fast. God holds us fast and he won't let go of us. Um, and so I have a verse that's coming up behind me. This is a verse I've been thinking over this whole year. It's Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. And it says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God doesn't promise that we won't have difficulty or things we don't understand or frustrating circumstances, but he does promise that he'll be with us. And Gosh, I am so thankful for that because I forget it, but it's so true, and it's just a huge comfort um, to know that he's with me. And so then that was making me think of the New Testament. So the other verse I was thinking a lot about is Romans 8, 38 through 39. And I was thinking about in Jonah, it's really clear that God is with Jonah, and he's showing Jonah mercy and love. And so this verse kind of reiterates God's deep, deep love for us and that we cannot escape God's love. Not only can we not escape God's presence, we can't escape his love. Um, So Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm keeping it short and simple. God is with us. God is with you. Don't forget it. He loves you. He is with you, even when it feels like he's not, and he wants us to go to him and be with him. Thanks. Uh, Next up is Doug Conwell. Hey, church. Um, my name's Doug, and I'm excited to share my reflections, reflections on Jonah with you guys today. Um, I was encouraged going through Jonah to look into a book that we all know, like, but about as much as we know is like a guy who got swallowed by a fish and then gets spit up by that fish, and that's kind of where my knowledge ended. So I was excited to dive a little deeper into it, um, and I was encouraged to learn that Jonah was this disciple who, as twisted as he was in his motives and his ways, like, completely ran from God, and God still used him to accomplish his purposes. And I um, am very similar to Jonah. I learned in a lot of ways, and oftentimes I run from God as well through through sin or even putting my faith in in the good things God's given me. Um, 
and it's encouraging to see that he can still use us through that. What I was most impacted by was Jonah's response, like Obed mentioned this morning, to being in the storm and being in the belly of the fish. Um, I could relate to Jonah, similar to what Megan was saying. I've had a little bit of a difficult season. Um, My wife, Ellie, and I have had some kind of like crazy house issues where we've had some flooding and all sorts of stuff like that. And we've been like in and out of our house and different just difficulties like that. And I found at times to be kind of in a similar desperate situation like Jonah was in the fish. And what was encouraging was seeing Jonah's response in the belly of the fish. And his response was prayer. And not only that, but he prayed the Bible. And like Obed pointed out, he prayed the Psalms. And one uh, Psalm that I think Jonah was referring to in his prayer was Psalms 139, which I think is coming up on the screen. Nice. Um, Happens to be one of my favorite Psalms and one that I turn to all the time when, when in a desperate situation. I just wanted to read verses 7 through 12 with you guys. It says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your right hand shall lead, or even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. And I just thought that was so good and such a good reminder that God is with us in the storms, that he's sovereign. And even when we're going through tough times, just like Jonah was, even like though Jonah ran from God in the opposite direction and did the complete opposite of what he was supposed to do, God still used him um, and he was still with him in that moment and he's with us. Um, And lastly, I thought it was hilarious in chapter four, Um, how Jonah finally delivered his message like he set out to do, you know, three chapters earlier. And then he walks away from the city of Nineveh and is sitting in the desert and he builds his booth for shelter and God gives him this plant and he's just like ecstatic over how nice this plant is. It's his AC unit as Obed talked about last week and he's just chilling under this plant and then God takes the plant away from him and Jonah's crushed, similar to how I was when my house was taken away from me. And I thought, like, man, that's so convicting. And, um, yeah, and I was just encouraged because I think oftentimes I put more of my faith in, the, in my things than, than in, in the Lord. And it was just a good reminder that, um, that God's with us and he's, he's faithful, even if we don't see exactly what's going on all the time. So, thanks. And now I'm going to invite up Selena. church. Um, Megan Doug, you did so well. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Selena Mason. I'm really honored to be able to share some of my reflections with you today. So this was my first time reading Jonah, and I was lucky to be able to do it with King's Cross and be able to do such a deep read of it. For me, it was just full of surprises and emotional reactions. So I'm going to share a little bit of my personal journey. Um, So my initial reactions, probably like most of you, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like this guy is like disobeying the word of God, doing the exact opposite thing that he's asking him. That is like whack, you know? Um, And then he has the gall to be angry at God after God literally saves him from the brink of death, drowning in the ocean. So um, I was incredulous and honestly a little conceited, thinking that I was better than Jonah, because I would never do that. 
<laughs> however, <laughs> so it's a however, um, through sermons, small groups, study, and prayer, I came to a different conclusion. Um, Ovid asked a really great question to reflect on just what ways are we angry with God for not delivering justice? Um, and at first I was just like, I, God and I are great, you know? I'm not angry at all. Um, but really reflecting on it, I realized I, I had a lot of anger in my heart and, um, you know, murders, rapists, religious prosecution, genocide, like there are things that like I am angry about. Um, and those feelings of anger were tough, but the book of Jonah really reminded me how to work through them and that's to pray, right? We see that Jonah prays even when he's despondent, drowning in the stormy sea, and even when he is angry after the city is saved. And prayer saved Jonah and prayer really helped me. So after that, I realized I am just as guilty as Jonah of being angry and turning away from God. And in fact, I might be worse because I thought I was better. Um, but really, I am Jonah. And what solidified this for me was actually a reflection that I had um, discussing chapter four. I know that we had touched on how throughout um, the book of Jonah, he is in this emotional valley, right? He's in a dark place. It doesn't really seem like he has the will to live. I mean, in chapter one, he is asleep in this crazy storm, and it's super hard to wake him up. He literally tells the sailors, just throw me overboard into this storm, right? Um, and in chapter four, he's actually crying out to God that it would be better if he died. And so reading... Um, Reading this book, and, and I did this a little bit too, we can kind of think, oh, that's a little dramatic, you know, like, okay, you know. I mean, Jonah, you're a prophet. You speak to God, and all you're being asked to do is to deliver a message to a city. So it really can't be that bad, right? Um, but for him, it, it is. And understanding the context of how brutal and terrifying these Ninevites had been to the Jewish people um, and how Jonah knew that the Lord's nature was to be merciful and forgiving really allowed me to take the weight of this task a little bit more seriously. And so to me, Jonah reads as depressed and deeply sad, and his actions are almost suicidal. And it struck me that these actions... These feelings, this way of interacting with God were familiar because I'd actually experienced them myself. I shared with our church before that I had struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts in my teenage years. And at that time, I didn't actually have a relationship with Jesus. Um, but, I, but I still called out to God. And I remember, I remember feeling so dark and asking, if there really is a God, please save me from the situation that I was in. Please save me because... Otherwise, it just would be better if I wasn't here. And in the same way that Jonah puts his life on the line to almost try to manipulate God into his will, I did the same thing. And in the same way that Jonah was completely irrational in the moment and let his emotions cloud his judgment to condemn 120,000 people and children who didn't know God, I did the same thing. And I was completely blinded by my depressive state, and it led me to be self-centered unable to see a future where God can make great and wonderful things happen. And I am no different than Jonah. So if you're struggling with any of these emotions, I know it's tough and it feels like no one will understand. I pray that you can meditate on how much God loves and cares for you. 
He loves us enough to sacrifice his son, Jesus, God himself in flesh, who lived a perfect life and died on the cross to atone for our sins before we were even born. It's not us who clings to him, but it is Jesus who clings to us. So pray as Jonah does in your darkest times, in your angriest times. Our Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The book of Jonah is a lot of things, but to me, it now reads as the story of God's mercy on Jonah. Through a treacherous journey and emotional ups and downs, God delivers Jonah from what was blinding him, his anger and depression, and ultimately God uses Jonah to bring dozens of sailors to Christ, possibly thousands more in the city of Nineveh, and spare 120,000 lives. I've learned that I am God's precious precious child in my darkest times, and even then, I can be used for his glory. So thank you for listening, and my amazing husband, Ian Mason, is up next. (laughs) Great start to the talk there. Uh, everyone that shared has done such an awesome job. Uh, my name is Ian. I've been at King's Cross for about a year. I serve on the Connect team. You'll usually find me in the back there. Uh, thank you, Obed, for giving all of us the chance to share our reflections on Jonah here. And I think similarly to most people, this was a story about Jonah's disobedience and a big fish. Maybe it was a well, maybe it's a fish. Who knows, right? But after studying the book of Jonah over the last several weeks with all of you guys, what my focus has really shifted towards is I'm drawn towards Jonah's continue, continued reliance on his own standard of morality, his own perspective, and his own way of doing things. But I think this is actually where we see God's sovereignty show up the most. The biggest takeaways for me were, number one, God is sovereign, and number two, God's indictment on self-righteousness, right? So to start with God's sovereignty here, um, God uses Jonah's disobedience, his obedience, the weather, animal life, and plant life to achieve his ultimate purposes, (laughs) which is pretty incredible. So if you think about it, God uses Jonah's disobedience to get him on the boat, the storm to get him off the boat and save the mariners. He uses then the fish to save Jonah and then his obedience to save the Ninevites. And lastly, if that wasn't enough for you guys, God pulls a hat trick and uses the plants, the scorching east wind, and the worm in order to illustrate Jonah's self-righteousness and his warped perspective. (laughs) I think after looking through all of that, uh, my biggest takeaway was God's got it. It doesn't really matter what I'm going through in life, when my tax return is going to come, the message I'm sending out there when it comes to ministry, uh, who's wronged me in the past and what they're going to do. Are they going to turn from their sinful ways? Are they going to seek forgiveness? At the end of the day, God's got it. And I think if you're anything like me, we can all rest on God's sovereignty. We can rest in that security and peace and, dare I say, enjoy that in our day-to-day lives. I know that's something I struggle to do and want to meditate on and want to feel in a more tangible and real way. But back to self-righteousness. Um, I heard a, ser- a sermon by Vodi Bakum on the prodigal son, similar to what Obed was sharing just a minute ago. And Vodi Bakum's whole thesis on the prodigal son is, The parable should really be called the self-righteous older brother. Because I think similarly to Jonah, a lot of us view Jonah as, like we've been talking about, disobedience, fish, repentance, there we go, right? (laughs) But 
similar to the prodigal son where we have the younger son that's disobedient and comes back and is embraced by the father and we kind of say, you know, roll the credits there. <laughs> There's an after scene, right? There's the after the credits for those of you guys that like Marvel that comes up later, right? <laughs> and from there we see with the prodigal son, we see that a huge part of that story is actually the older brother's callous heart, his self-righteousness, his anger when his younger brother is forgiven by the father. And in the same way, we see that in Jonah when it comes to the plant. And so at the end of the story, for me, Jonah has morphed from a story about a guy and a fish to at least a story about a guy and a plant now. <laughs> and so a little bit of a different perspective here. But what we see in Jonah is he's consistently called the shots. Uh, he's leaned on his own perspective on morality. He refuses to go to Nineveh in an attempt to withhold God's mercy from these people. And at the end of the day, God uses the plant to illustrate this. I think at the end of the day, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're all really tempted to construct our own source of truth when it comes to morality. Maybe it's a mix of childhood stories, well-meaning advice from parents, teachers, or employers, sprinkling a little bit of social media, a little bit of our political beliefs, and voila, we have our own source of truth that's infallible, <laughs> right? I know I'm certainly guilty of doing this. But after going through Jonah, what I've really realized is we can't construct our own standards of truth when it comes to a biblical worldview. What I need to do for sure is focus on the only infallible source of truth, which is God's word. And that's why I'm so grateful to be able to lean into prayer, godly counsel, fellowship with believers and reading his word, because that's the only way to truly construct a, a great perspective that is otherworldly and is godly. And that's why I appreciate King's Cross and all of you guys so much, because outside of the regular study we have here, great relationships, and solid preaching, I'd be missing out on all of these lessons from Jonah that I'm currently digesting, and I'd probably still be debating how long a man can really live inside of a fish, and what the heck happened to Jonah's booth that he built. <laughs> Thank you guys, appreciate it. I think Obed's coming up next. All right, that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, let's give him a round of applause. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, and, I, you know, like I said, man, they, I mean, I was listening to all of those reflections and being in awe um, of, God's, of God's grace in leading us to study Jonah. I remember when we started thinking about, oh, we're going to do the story of Jonah. You know, I was like, oh, everybody knows what Jonah is about. You know, why do we need to go through this story? But it was God's grace in leading us not just to study it, but to excavate and unearth so many of these truths from it. Um, and I hope you've been encouraged by these reflections. Now it's your turn. Why not take time in the coming weeks, months, to reflect on the story of Jonah. Why not intentionally schedule time in your busy, 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 crazy, busy life dedicated to reading, praying through, and reflecting and studying Jonah? Here are some questions 
to guide your reflection. How do I respond when God calls me to do something that goes against my own desires or comfort zone? Like Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. Question number two, have I ever found myself resisting God's plans or running away from his calling? How can I learn from Jonah's experience and choose obedience instead? As you plan to reflect this week, here's another question. Like Jonah, do I struggle with harboring prejudices or biases against certain individuals or groups? How can I challenge and overcome these attitudes to reflect God's love for all people? Next question, when faced with the opportunity to extend forgiveness and show mercy to others, am I willing to embrace God's example and let go of grudges or resentment as Jonah struggled with? Fifth question, how do I handle situations where I witness God's mercy being extended to people I may deem unworthy or undeserving? This one's been hard for me. Do I struggle with accepting God's grace and love for all? Or do I align my heart with his inclusive and compassionate nature? Question number six for your reflections. Do I truly understand and embrace the extent of God's mercy in my own life? How can I grow in gratitude and reflect his mercy in my interactions with others? Number seven, how can I learn from Jonah's experiences of humbling and redirection in my own life? Are there areas where I need to submit to God's correction and guidance? Number eight, how can I deepen my trust in God's sovereignty and his ability to accomplish his purposes, even in situations that seem impossible or unlikely? How can we do that? Still trust that God is in control when all hell is breaking loose. And finally, one last question to help guide your reflections. In what ways can I apply the lessons from Jonah's story to my own faith journey and relationship with God? Allowing it to shape my attitudes, actions, and understanding of his character. As you reflect... On the story of Jonah, guided by the content we looked at throughout the last seven years and some of these questions, may you never forget that our God is a gracious God, is a merciful God, he is slow to anger, He is abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. 
the late Tim Keller, who passed away this week, had this to say about the book of Jonah. He said, the book of Jonah demonstrates God's relentless pursuit of sinners and his desire for repentance. It reminds us that no one is beyond the reach of God's grace and that he can use even the most unlikely individuals to accomplish his purposes. And with that in mind, how I want us to conclude is just to spend some time praying. And so, in your seats right now, I just want you to spend some time praying um, and responding maybe in praise of just how merciful God is or praying and asking that God would help you obey. Um, However God leads, I would love for all of us as a church, in your own time, in your own seats, to just spend some time talking to God. Let's pray.